Father, speak to us this morning from your word. Father, that, that we will just not be hearers of your word, but doers. But Lord, let your word go forth with power and unction. Father, animate me. Whatever is my shortcoming, O oh Lord, you perfect it. And everything else, O oh Lord, Father, which is not of me, Father, which is not of you, Father, let it fall to the ground. And what is in line with your word and with your spirit, let it grow, let it go forth with fire and unction and authority. Let it change our lives from deep deep down inside and transform us a little more into your likeness. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint us even during the speaking and the hearing of this word. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, once again, we just want to thank God and we'll go back to the word. Uh, last night we looked at uh, the life of, I mean, how to be born again, and uh, we'll continue on that theme this morning, I mean, broadly. If you look at, uh, for for the uh, understanding today's word, we'll just start with a place in John's Gospel, chapter 3, and we'll look at a few verses, not the entire chapter, a few verses, and we'll put today's message in context. Uh, John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 1 onwards, 1 to 3. Four first. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Verse 3 and 4. Jesus goes straight to the point. He doesn't even accept his salutation. <laughs> Uh, Jesus knows uh, how to be cryptic and how to be terse and how to be um, very economical with his words. Okay, he's got the tongue of the instructed. He knows exactly what to say to those who are weary. He knows exactly what to do and what to speak and what to say. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And every time uh, Jesus mentions something spiritual, most often, even the disciples, they always understand, I mean, they understand it in earthly terms or worldly terms or fleshly terms. So Nicodemus is not any different. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? (laughs) Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? We looked at that last time, last night. And verse 5, Jesus answered and said, um, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus uh, lays the truth absolutely uh, to Nicodemus and he's expecting him to understand these things. And Nicodemus is, is perplexed with all of his um study of the word and of the scriptures, of the law, going to law school. I mean, that is not law school, but uh, the school of, uh, I mean, 
all these days he studied the law, but he is unable to understand the spirit of the law. And Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then Jesus makes a, a nine, verse 9. Verse 9, just a few verses and then we will. Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? He's <laughs> not able to understand, still perplexed. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said to him, are you a teacher in Israel, of Israel and you do not know these things? Are you a teacher in Israel? And you do not know these things? And verse 14 to verse 17. And then famous verses. And as Moses lifted up the servant, serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up, must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And the next verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. When I was growing up, um, I found the Gideon's Bible and for the first time, there was one verse, 3.16, John 3.16, written in so many languages. I was possibly about... Uh, so I was in grade 4 or something like that, grade 4, grade, grade 5. For the first time I saw the Gideon's Bible, this verse, 316, the famous 316, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the very interesting thing is that this word, this word starts with a very interesting word, for. For God so loved the world. And what is this? What is this for? For is, 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 is a, is a, is something which is supporting a few verses. Of course, let us look at verse 14 and 15. First. Okay. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man should be lifted up. Look, this is amazing. No, this is, this is like, this is teaching, uh, Nicodemus the law. He doesn't understand the spirit behind the law. Now he is going into the scriptures and he's sampling one incident in the life of the Israelites who've been brought out of the promised land or out of Egypt and were on the way to the promised land. And he's going to that particular context and saying, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is what he told Nicodemus, and I'm not sure if Nicodemus really understood this or not. See, this is the entire Bible, the entire Old Testament, particularly, you see, when you study the Old Testament, you know, one one man of God, when I was growing up and I was to uh, study a lot, I mean, listen to him a lot, uh, his teachings, and uh, it, it was, it's Chuck Missler, when I was, no, a new believer and I was studying the Bible for myself. You know, he makes a statement. He says, um, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the Old, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. What you have in the Old Testament is the, is the concealing of the Son of God. He's concealed in the Old Testament. And when you come to the New Testament, it's a revelation of the person of the Son of God. Okay. So, uh, Look at, I'll show you this verse, um, Proverbs chapter, so 1st Peter chapter 4, 1st Peter chapter 4, 
First Peter, uh, sorry, First Peter chapter one, not First Peter chapter four. First Peter chapter one, and let's let's read from uh, verse um, ten onwards. Concerning the salvation, okay, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Next verse. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was relieved, revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. You know, when you look at that word, the angels desire to look into. Things which angels desire to look into. What what picture comes into your mind? I'm looking at a few people over here. I'm not going to mention the number. <laughs> okay. Okay. What what picture comes into your mind? Angels desire to look into. It's talking about the scriptures, which is talking about, of course, the law and the prophets. Okay, particularly the law, let's say. This law is essentially human because in this context, in John's Gospel chapter 3, Jesus is sampling one incident in the first five books of Moses, which we call a Torah or the law. Okay. And so tell me what that particular phrase thinks which angels desire to look into specifies or signifies. You know, you know what it signifies? I'll tell you what it signifies. Have you do you know how the Ark of the Covenant was made? The Ark of the Covenant was made of acacia wood. Okay, it has it has those particular dimensions. Okay, and uh, Ark of the Covenant is made of acacia wood overlaid with gold, and you had these rings. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And now you, what do you do? Is you put the law, the the uh, the first five books of Moses into the law, the tablets of the law into the Ark of the Covenant. You put Manna, a part of manna, and you put Aaron's rod which budded, and you see the Ark of the Covenant is completely made of gold, and is seamlessly made of gold by Bethsalel, and what is covering the Ark, the mercy seat, two cherubim looking into. Okay. Two cherubim looking into the law. The angels were trying to understand. It's a picture of two things. Now, if you look at um, uh, the incident, you don't have to turn there. In Isaiah chapter 6, cherubim were surrounding the throne of God, closing their eyes. They can't see. Now, when they were desiring to see, but they can't see. And therefore, you don't have to turn there. In Ephesians chapter 3, says the wisdom of God is being made manifest to the to the angels through the church. Okay, so what is the church? Church, it says in First, First Timothy chapter three, verse fifteen, it's the church of the living God, the pillar and the bulwark of truth. So we, even as we understand the scriptures and reveal the Son of God, the, the cherubim are looking into us, the literally the blood-bought saints of the living God, and understanding what the Old Testament actually signifies. It's amazing. So this beautiful picture of the cherubim looking, that is the reason why it's a, I mean, I think it's Hannah in our our prayer, when she appeals to God, it says the God who's between the cherubim, 
she appeals to the Lord which is between the cherubim. Okay, okay. So, so, so the Old Testament, therefore, is the revelation. If you read it slowly and carefully, and having the background of the New Testament in your mind, and you start learning the scriptures, you will see every page of the Bible. In fact, when I read the Book of Proverbs, for example, and I see. The Bible there, literally. For example, turn to Psalm 30. So not Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30, for example. Proverbs 30, verses 1 and 2. 1 onwards. Proverbs 30, verses 1 onwards. The words of Agur, the son of Yake, his utterance. The man declared to Ithael, to Ithael and you call possibly his children. Surely I am more stupid than any man. Okay, he's stupid because he's a he's a guy in the Old Testament. He's he's not he's not understanding something, and he says, "Lord, I'm so stupid, Lord," and do not have the understanding of a man. And then he goes on to say, "I neither learn wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One." So what? Why? What is? Why is he saying that he does not have the knowledge of the Holy One? Because who has descended into heaven or ascended or descended? Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Why am I saying this? Why am I saying this? Just just pause here, okay? Go to John's Gospel chapter 3. John's Gospel. I, I forgot to put that verse. John's Gospel chapter 3. The, the, the episode of Nicodemus. Hmm? Are you there? And read. Yeah, verse 13. 313. This is in 313 bro. 313. John's Gospel chapter 3 verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. Okay, no, go back to Proverbs chapter 30. Okay, you got it? The, 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 the passages we are looking at. Hmm? Okay, who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who is that person? You see that? So this guy is saying... he. No, Agur, he's having this vision. But he's not able to understand who this person is. And then he says, who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? This is talking about the creation. Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? Please, if you know, can you tell me, please, Baba? I'm not able to understand. I'm I'm not ha- having the understanding as to uh, as to how to know uh, the knowledge of the Holy One. Verse three: I neither am learned nor have the knowledge of the Holy One because there is a creation. There is a who is this person? Who has descended? Who has ascended into heaven? Or who is descended? Who is this person? And Jesus is going right back <laughs> into the Old Testament and is challenging Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 4 part 1. Who's that person? Nicodemus. Number chapter 21. Who's the bronze servant? Serpent. Nicodemus is stunned <laughs> because he has studied and studied and studied and studied and studied and studied the holy scriptures. Scratching his head. Scratching his head. Scratching his head but he's... And then, okay, I knew all this but this is supposed to signify you? That's what uh, he tells um, uh, in John's Gospel chapter 5. He says, you think in your scriptures you have eternal life. 
but they signify talking about me. So you know the scriptures, but you have you're completely blinded to the person right in front of you. John Piper says you are blind as a bat. <laughs> you're not even seeing the person right in front of you. Is scriptures being fulfilled in in my life? You're not able to even see. you're not even able to see. Why am I saying that? You see, we all have to study scriptures that way. Okay, like for example, all the people who are even watching, no, look at what it says in. First Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 and 4. First Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 and 4. <clears throat> For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And you will say, how he was, according to the scriptures, how he was buried. And that means, right from the beginning, every part of the Bible was talking about the Messiah. It's talking about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Am I okay? Yeah. He's talking about his death, and his burial, and his resurrection. For example, Genesis chapter 22 talks about Abraham. God said, offer up Isaac, your only son whom you love. Abraham, the type of God the Father. Isaac, of course, is the type of Christ. So Abraham takes how many day journey? A three day journey. On the first day, Abraham slaughters his son in his heart. On the third day, he receives his son. Figuratively, resurrected, back. Isaac, the entire process, where on top of the Mount Moriah, where exactly the point where the coordinates, the vectors of space and time, where Jesus himself was crucified. Okay. Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, you don't have to turn there. It's talking about the Passover lamb. He is our Passover lamb that was slain. That is the reason why John the Baptist will say, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Numbers 21 will say, we'll go, go, go there in a while, in a minute he says, he says what? If you look at the bronze serpent, if I be lifted up just like Moses was lifted, Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness, and whoever believes in me will be saved. And Deuteronomy, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. And Galatians will talk about, we'll come to, come to that point. So, scriptures completely talk about Talk about him all the way. All the way. So, we need an understanding of scriptures. Okay, look at uh, uh, Luke's gospel chapter 24. And this is on the road to Emmaus. Verse 25 to 27. First. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And the prophets, and, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. I mean, that would be the best Bible study on planet earth. 
every other bible study will take the second second place on who are, who who else can explain the scriptures better than jesus nobody else i mean i wish i was there in that bible study but we have the spirit now hallelujah john's gospel chapter 16 will say even the spirit of truth comes he will lead you to all truth he will take you of what is mine and he will give it to you the same spirit of god the same person of Jesus Christ who walked with the with the with the disciples on the road to Emmaus is also with us. He says, "I am going away now, but I will come back to you. How? I will send my Spirit, and He will be with you, and He will be in you both." Kya <laughs> baat? And then what is he going to do? He's going to go and when we study the scriptures, when we study it for ourselves and we look at that, there's a revelation from every part of the scriptures, the revelation of the Son of God in every part of the scriptures. Verse 44 of the same. Verse 32, first. And they said to one another, uh, verse 32, and they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? See, he was opening the scriptures and their hearts were burning. But that is only stage one. Okay. Your hearts are burning. They're op- he opened the scriptures and he's saying, this is him, this is him, this is him, this is him. And then, that's only stage one. Verse 44 and 45, the same chapter. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you, to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, boy, concerning me, and then he says in verse 45, and he opened their understanding that, that they might comprehend the scriptures. Beautiful, isn't it? First their hearts start burning, the scriptures get opened, there's an unlocking that is going on, but now what happens? They start understanding, now it becomes a part of them. And what is it? Every part of the Bible is signifying and pointing out to the Messiah. Any law, any law for that matter. Any law, I mean any law. See, for example, yesterday pastor was talking about the Jew and the Greek. See, in fact, if you read Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2, the first part of Romans talks about, at least from verses 17 onwards, or verses 18 onwards of Romans chapter 1, to the end of the book of Romans, chapter chapter 1, it talks about the guy who's given over to sin, the guy who's living an absolute licentious life. Chapter two talks about the about two kinds of people. Chapter two and three talks about two kinds of people. Chapter two, first part talks about a per- person who, a part of it at least, who has got the law of God written in his heart to a certain level. Okay, and chapter two, the later part. And the enter almost till verse 19 of uh, chapter 3 talks about the person who's been given the law. Okay. The man of the world, the man of the conscience, and the man with the law. Three kinds of people there, at least, in that division. The man of the world, I mean, man of the world means the guy who's living, man of the flesh, you can say. A man who's absolutely living, absolutely according to his fleshly desires, and he doesn't care. And chapter 2 is talking about, part 1 is talking about a man of the conscience. Okay. He says, it's the, they, 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 they testify of the law of God written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their conflicting thoughts either accuse them or excuse them on that day when God, according to my gospel, will judge them. 
by the man Jesus Christ. Okay, so they will be judged. For example, they might be thinking, you know, uh, uh, some simple, that you never underestimate some of the people who are searching. I mean, like, like Vasa was mentioning, some people in our own country were searching. And they're searching for how to live a righteous life. Okay, they were, they were people of conscience. And then of course, the latter part of Romans chapter 2 talks about the person who is of, who's been given the law, the Jew. And he's also blinded. And he says, by chapter 3, he says, everybody's under sin. The man of the flesh, or the, the man of the, the soul, you can say, the guy who's conscience, or the, not the soul, or the man of the conscience, and the man who's been given the law. All of them are under sin. Romans chapter 3 will say that. So, there's only one way that you can be set free from the bondage of sin, from the penalty of sin, from the bondage and the power of sin. That is through Jesus Christ only. And that is exactly what Jesus was telling Nicodemus in this particular context. He says, he tells Nicodemus, Nicodemus, just like Moses lifted up the bronze serpent, the son of man should be lifted up so that he, whoever believes in him, will have what life now? Everlasting life. So let us go to that place in Numbers chapter 21 and see how we can unpack this entire episode for ourselves and see how God, I mean Jesus, what Jesus meant by looking at the Son of God. How do, how we, how do we become partakers of this eternal life? Okay, okay um, I think it was David Poston who said, I, I think I mentioned it sometime back, you know, David Poston, we are in Lent season by the way. Okay, uh, we're in Lent season, and David Pawson was invited to uh, one of uh, a church uh, gatherings. They had a series of meetings, uh, and they said, uh, "Can you please speak on Lent, and can you give us uh, the topics, title top topics for the titles?" He said, "Okay, fine. I'm going to have five sessions, five topics. Or can you give the give the titles for the topics?" He said, "Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy." They said, "No, no, no, no. We want to know the title." He says, "No, Genesis." Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We know Genesis, chapter 22. Cross. Genesis, Exodus, chapter 12. Passover lamb, cross. Okay. Then Numbers, chapter 21. Cross. Deuteronomy, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. Cross. Leviticus, chapter 16. The atonement. The high priest has to take on one day, on the day of atonement, he has to go into the most holy place and offer a sacrifice for himself first and for the entire nation. And it says in Hebrews, Jesus was our eternal high priest who didn't go to the, into the temple made with hands. He, with, the, with the blood of bulls or goats, he took his own blood into the most holy place in heavens. That essentially what you see in the tabernacle was a, was a shadow, was a picture of what you have in heavens. And you'll see that actually in John's Gospel chapter, sorry, Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 6. You don't have to turn, uh, turn there. But you see that, you see that he takes his own blood and he offers once and for all his blood. And therefore, you know what happens? Our conscience is absolutely purged from dead works by the blood of Jesus. We have a clear conscience. We can have a clear conscience with God and man. So the entire Bible is talking about Jesus. So we'll just look at this particular episode in Numbers chapter 24, 21 and verse 4 onwards. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. 
And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Let's read on. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. Who died? People of Israel died. Okay. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. (laughs) So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Chapter Verses 4, 2, 9. Just keep that, okay? Let's start from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 to 9. Let's go back to 4 to 9. Okay, This is the episode which we are going to study today. I don't know how many of you studied this before. But let us do it once again. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became what? Very discouraged on the way. Okay. It's beautiful. <laughs> what happened to the soul of the people? Very discouraged. Very discouraged. So, the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Now, why did it become very discouraged? <laughs> no, whenever such verses come, I just stop for a minute. Okay, I just look at words again. I'm not... One, first of all, I wanted to look at one word. What is that word? Anybody can guess? Discouraged. Okay. Just one word. You know what the word discouraged means? Comes from the Hebrew word kathar, which means reaping. Okay. One of the things you need to understand is that in the universe, There is one law. It is called the inexorable law of sowing and reaping. They have come to a point in life where they are reaping what they have sowed. They were brought out of Egypt. One day, 400 years of slavery opened finished in one day. That's the reason why in Isaiah chapter 66 it says, "Can uh, did you ever hear a nation being birthed in a day? Out of Egypt I have called my son. In one day they were brought out of Egypt. And through the wilderness step after step after step after step, there were only two things the, the children of Israel were famous for. And by the way, they were in Acts chapter 7, you don't have to turn there, they are called the Ecclesia in the wilderness. Who are are they? They are the church of God, the separated ones. They were supposed to be a separated one and what has happened? Complaining, complaining, murmuring, complaining, murmuring, complaining, murmuring, complaining, murmuring, complaining and doing the same thing over and over again and never learning their lessons. 
And now what has happened? They've come to a point where they became what? Just discouraged? Very discouraged. It is a kind of a double superlative. Discourage itself is superlative. Very discouraged is extremely superlative. Moses was the meekest man. You know how they, how, how it is rendered in the Hebrew? <laughs> Moses was meek meek. What does it mean? He is the meekest of all the meek. Double superlative. Verily, verily I say unto you. Verily, verily means whenever Jesus, verily I say unto you means you have to pay attention. Verily, verily I say unto you means double superlative. What, what is his name? Holy, holy, holy. Triple superlative. I mean that is the ultimate. Double superlative. Very discouraged on the way. What is happening here, Baba? It, what is happening here in the life of the people and the children of the children of Israel in the wilderness is now they have, it's like you know the roosters have come home. They are finally reaping what they have sowed. There is a law. You know, it's a very, very scary law and a painful law. But if you are wise, you can use it wisely. But who is wise? Only a believer. From this, from your childhood, from your infancy, you have known the scriptures which is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Scriptures are, have the capacity to make you wise and if you, I mean, if you are a transformed mind, you can use this law to your benefit. But this is an inexorable law. It is an inescapable law. That means you something which you can never ever circumvent. It's like gravity. You cannot, see, you cannot live without gravity. You have to use gravity wisely. Right? You use gravity, no? If you want to, uh, uh, without a pump, you want to send water downstairs, how do you do? Create a potential difference. We do all those experiments and when, when I show it to my children, no? I create a potential difference, I create vacuum in the pump and I put it like that, then they go, oh, what's going on? Potential difference. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. I'm using gravity there. I remember when my uncle, uh, first time when I, when I saw how to use gravity wisely, my uncle had a car, his, it was, it was a, what is that? Uh, Maruti 800, first Maruti 800. And he used to always have a spare 5 liter petrol uh, tank in his, in his, in his trunk, trunk, you know. And uh, we were going on the highway, the fuel got over. He said, no, don't worry, I have the fuel, this thing in my ears. I mean, have a small bo- uh, bottle for f- at least 5 liters fuel and it will go at least another, those days, uh, Maruti Atlanta used to give 18 kilometers per liter. Okay, so we were good for at least another 50 kilometers. So I said, okay, fine, fine. I said, how are you going to do it? Uh, he said, no problem. He took a pipe, he put the thing there. I said, wow, I was maybe, fi- I was in grade 5 or something. No, he was using gravity. Okay, you can use gravity, you can, you can abuse gravity. But gravity is always there. There's a law. What is it called? It's called the law of sowing and reaping. So let me show you a few verses about this law. Okay. <laughs> From the Bible. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 8. <laughs> he who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. Kya baat hai? You will see, it is what we call the creation law. Every tree after its kind and seed after its kind. You see how evolution tries to mess up the whole creation account? 
and what is what is uh, evolution trying to say you don't reap what you sow you can somehow sow a monkey and reap a human in effect <laughs> how can that happen you sow a monkey <laughs> you reap a monkey you sow apple you will reap apple every tree after its kind there is a seed which you have to sow and that seed looks very small have you seen that's what he says do if you have faith as tiny as a mustard seed how you look how big it becomes when you sow it becomes so huge <laughs> so if you sow iniquity what will you reap sorrow and the rod of his anger will fail uh, that's the second part Hosea chapter 10 verse 13 you have plowed wickedness okay you have reaped iniquity <laughs> you have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way whenever you trust in your own way you are sowing a seed Therefore, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean to your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and marrow to your bones. Okay. So, if you look at the entire episode of uh, whatever, what is, whatever is going on in this world, it's a parable. You have sowed something and you are reaping a harvest. And another thing is that you will always reap more than you sow. Right? You will never reap one, I mean, sow one thing and you just get one, one thing back. Look at what it says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Of course, this is talking about in a positive context, but there's a law. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. But that means if you sow much of something, you will reap a lot of it. And in fact, most of the times you will reap more than what you sow. Exponentially high. One grain of, let's say, wheat will give rise to how much? At least 200, I mean, I'm just, uh, at least 200, 300 grain. One. Can you say one grain? You say one small sin, Vijay. One small mistake. One. But the law is, you will always reap more than you sow. Good or bad? Sometimes you will be reaping what somebody else has sown. Others will reap what you have sown. You know, Jesus makes a very powerful statement. You don't have to turn there. Okay, just follow me. John's Gospel chapter 4, he says, Others have labored. You have entered into their labors. That means you are reaping what other people have sold. For example, if your parents are wise and they might have saved up a lot of money and they've, you know, they've used their, their uh, uh, common sense and, and laid up something and then when they, you know, do a wise investments and make money, they give it to their children as an inheritance. Wise. So they have sold Wisely, children reap the harvest. But sometimes, parents mess up, children reap the harvest. 
It's a very dangerous law. <laughs> if you don't use it wisely. So what has happened to the children of Israel? They have come to a point where they have become very discouraged. No, let's, let's turn to another thing. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 and, 8, 7 and 8. We looked at it very, very well so many times in different, different contexts. Uh, do not be deceived. God is not marked, mocked for whatever a man sows, that also he will reap. And then, for if you sow in the flesh, you will reap after your flesh corruption. Everything according to its kind. But if you sow in the spirit, you will, by the will of the spirit, you will reap everlasting life. That is the reason why Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 and 13 will say, or only 12 maybe, Hosea chapter 10, we will look at that last time. Sow for yourselves righteousness, and what will happen? You'll reap mercy. Kya baat hai? So, and if that means if little bit of righteousness, if you sow, you will reap a lot of mercy. My righteous shall live by faith. That means if you have a little bit of faith, if you have a little bit of knowledge of who the son of God is, like yesterday pastor was saying, all that they had was, they appealed to just a small pinch of the mercy of God, one character, character of God. And they said, Lord, we want to sow in what? Righteousness. How? By faith. Do you have faith? Yes, he says, yeah. What is the faith you are? In the character that you are a merciful God. If you sow in righteousness, what will you serve? What will you reap? Mercy. What an amazing promise. And a law. Question, therefore, are you discouraged? Is a question to all of us. Are you very discouraged? And you know what? The actual other rendering for the word uh, discouraged is shortened. I feel shortened means I feel as if my strength has gone from my life. Shortened means shortening of your life, essentially. Shortened. Strength is gone. We know that, right? Psalm 91. Psalm 91 and verse 14 to 16. Psalm 91 verse 14 to 16. Because he has set his love upon me. Look at this. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. So what is what is he showing? Love. I will set him on high because he has known my name. What is he showing? Knowledge about him. He shall call upon me and I will trouble him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And the next verse, with long life I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. Why? Simply because he made a choice to dwell in the Secret place. And you reap a harvest. Long life. But here he says, we are so discouraged. We feel as if our life is shortened. That's what maybe, you know, uh, in Psalm 90, if you turn there, look at what it says in Psalm 90. Maybe, you know, uh, Moses identified, identified with his people. And this is what he, he, he confesses. Psalm 90. Verse 9 and 10. Verse actually 7 to 10. 7 to 10. Okay. For we are been consumed by your anger. So whenever you consume something, what happens to it? It becomes, like for example, if you have a big bar of chocolate and consume part of it, what will become shortened, no? It will never increase. Have you ever seen chocolate increasing like that? No. <laughs> so he says, we have been consumed by our anger. That's exactly the reason why we feel shortened. 
Why? Because something has been consumed out of our lives. And by your wrath, we are terrified. You, why? You have set our secret, set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. You know what? He's telling all of us, beware of all those things in your You don't think that nobody is watching you, but God is. What you sow in secret also you will reap. When you sow in secret, in prayer, the Lord will reward you openly. When you sin in secret, everything will be brought to light openly. <coughs> openly. Everything will be brought to light openly. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Should I cough like this? I don't know. Okay. The days of our lives are 70 years. Okay. For all our days have been passed away in your wrath, we finish our years like a <sighs> shorten. The days of our lives are 70 years and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. You know what? That's exactly what the children of Israel are experiencing. Lord, we feel that our life is shortened. We are so discouraged. Depressed. Is it possible therefore that we might be depressed and discouraged because we have sown something in our lives and we don't like the harvest? Just take a survey of your harvest. Check my, I'm checking my own life. See what I'm reaping in 40 plus is what I've sowed Till, till, till 30, 39 years old. And what I will reap in, when I'm 50 years old is what I have sown in the next decade of my life. You cannot escape it. You cannot escape it. And that's exactly what Jesus is say, telling Nicodemus. There is a law. Everything after its kind. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And we know very well flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of God. And you will not be able to see the kingdom of God because you are flesh. You could be better flesh than others. But you are flesh. I mean, if one guy murdered ten people and another guy murdered two, both of you are murderers. You are a hardened murderer, that fellow is slightly less hardened maybe. I don't know. He's, he's, you know what he will say? He's a more, he's a worse murderer than him. No, I mean, that comparisons is only, it doesn't matter. Sometimes, even if you murder one person, like if, I remember that story in Macbeth, right? Oof! Guy murders him, and then you know what? She looks at her hand. She has these visions of blood, 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 blood on my hands, 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 blood on my hands. because it's like the conscience is just 
troubling her like anything. And it's, it's, she's, she's reaping what she has sown. Blood on her hands. Think about it. He was telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is of the flesh is flesh. That which is of the spirit is spirit. And therefore, what should I do? We should change the seed. Like pastors keep saying, change the seed. Change the seed. Because everything after its kind and start changing the seed and start sowing more of that good seed in your life. So it is very important as to what we sow. And it is also important where we sow. What did I say? Ah, okay. It, it is important what we sow and it is important where we sow. For example, turn to Isaiah chapter 55 verses 9 to 11. This is, this is what we sow. Be very careful as to what you hear, it says in, 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 in uh, Luke's gospel chapter 8, if I'm right. 8.18, just see. Just 18, Luke 8.18 before we go there. Or Mark 4.24, either of these. 8.18 first of Luke. Luke 8.18. Therefore, take heed, take heed how you take heed how you hear. Okay, uh, maybe uh, 424 of Mark then. 424 of Mark. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. Very important, what you sow. What you sow. Of course, here in this context, he's talking about the seed being the word of God. So, be very careful what you hear. And how you hear. You understand? Okay. What you hear and how you hear. What you eat and how you eat. Isn't it important? I, 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 I tell this example, no? Whatever you eat becomes you. Right? You eat egg. You eat egg. Have you ever seen egg? You eat in an egg. And after a while, it becomes you. Egg disappears, it becomes you. You eat palak, you don't become palak. You eat palak and it becomes you. What an amazing miracle. You eat buffalo, sorry, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. you eat meat, <laughs> you don't become buffalo, I'm sorry, you don't become whatever you are eating, you become you, I mean it just becomes a part of you. Whatever you eat becomes you. Isn't it interesting that after they have sacrificed the Passover lamb and applied the blood in the doorposts of their house, what are they supposed to do next? Eat the what? Eat the lamb! So that what? The lamb becomes you! That is the reason why Jesus says in John's Gospel, chapter 6, you know, I will go there. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have eternal life. Because you know what? You are eating me. My meat is meat indeed. Have you not seen that they had to? They were supposed to eat the Passover lamb roasted and they were not even supposed to keep it empty till, I mean, uh, wasted for the next other day, uh, uh, till the next day. And they have to eat it with what herbs? Bitter herbs. And eat it in haste. You have to eat. And unless and until you eat me, you cannot have any part of me. Because when you eat me, you become me. That's what Jesus was saying. 
You want to become a lamb? You have to eat my, eat me. Otherwise you'll be a goat all your life. So, that is just a little bit of trans, a digression, but let's come back. So, it is therefore very important what you sow. What should you sow? Isaiah chapter 55 verse 9 to 11. <clears throat> As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do, do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so it, so that it yields what? Bread to the uh, uh, eater and seed to the sower. So shall my word. You see that ultimately, it's all comparing. The water of course here is compared to the word. And ultimately, the water comes, waters and gives forth the word again, which becomes seed. Very important what you, what you eat. Turn to 1st Timothy. Chapter 4. First, oh sorry, 2nd Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Verse 1 and 2. <coughs> Actually, one to three, okay? I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. What should you do? Preach the word and teach the word, both. Be ready in season, out of season. Boy, I mean, this is coming to life for me. I, I, I just think about what to speak the next day and within the next 24 hours, I should be ready for the next one. I've never been challenged like this in my in my entire life, but it's it's amazing. Okay, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. What should you do? Four things you should do: convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and teaching. That means you just don't give a little bit of here. That means you put a little bit of palak, put a little bit of uh, meat, put a little bit of pulses, put a little bit of carbs, and put a little bit of everything. And nicely mix it and give. Sometimes you don't like bitter herbs, right? So what should you do? Eat it anyway. Like my mother, mother used to say, right? Yesterday I was telling. Compulsory question. What is compulsory question? Totakura. You have to eat it. I mean, everything, examination language only in my home those days, you know. This is compulsory question, Vijay. You cannot escape it. <laughs> in other words, you will not get the next, next question unless you eat this question. You might like the next one. You might like dal and sambar, but you are not getting sambar unless you eat. So what do I do? Next. And next time she said, chew it nicely and eat it. Why? Unless and until you chew it nicely and eat it, it will not become a part of you. Do you know that? You see? So he's saying, for the Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with raw long suffering and teaching while it is time. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers who will titillate them. What you hear is very important therefore. What you sow is very important. Question is, what have we been sowing? I hope we are sowing all this. Convincing. Everybody likes convincing, okay? Some people don't like. Rebuke, exhort. Actually, all convince, rebuke, exhort, everything has negative connotation only. Convince means I am not convinced. 
That means I have to die to myself. And I have to agree to the word of God. That's what convincing means. Okay, I, I, I agree. Rebuke means do danda de. Exhort. Come on, do it, man. Don't become lazy. That is exhortation. Okay. Exhortation means he's, he's telling Timothy. Timothy, treat elder, 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 elder men as fathers. Okay. Elder women as mothers. Okay. Elder brother, elder men, younger men as what? Brothers and younger women as ah sisters with purity. Just not purity, with all purity, ah, with all purity. And Timothy is saying, why did Paul say I should treat sisters with all purity? Does he not know my life? No, 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 no. I know your life, but I'm still exhorting you. Continue on that path. It's like, 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 uh, like any, somebody, somebody comes and says, you gotta work hard. I'm already working hard. Ah, don't relax, in other words. <laughs> don't ever relax. Hey, that is exhortation. Okay. Already working hard. Why are you telling me to work hard? I'm already, I'm no, I know. But don't relax. Don't relax. Just because you got some kind of a commendation here and there, just don't relax. <laughs> okay. You get, become, Better, not worse. That is exhortation. Like for example, no, you got how much? 95. Uh, you did well, but you can do better. I already did well. Okay, fine, I agree. Like we, God is like that. He's a father. He, he wants to challenge us and take us to a, take us to a different level. We know because he wants to give us his best. And therefore, what does he do? He, Exhorts. What does he do? He exhorts. And what is he uh, telling Timothy? With all long suffering and with all teaching. You know, this is so important. Pray for us. Pray for us as pastors and teachers of the word of God. You know what we need? Turn to Colossians chapter 1 verses 27, 28 and, and and the last. 27 onwards. 27 onwards. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have to tell you the, uh, t- tell you the mystery, right? So what do we do? Him we preach. Okay? And then how, how do we preach him? Warning every man and teaching every man. The preaching has two points, he says. There is a warning part and there is a teaching part. How do we get this warning part and teaching part? How do we do it? In what wisdom? In all wisdom that we might present every man perfect in Christ to this end I also labor. Boy, striving according to his working with the work with work which works in me mightily. So like Pastor was saying, there is power which is available, there is intention which is available. What what is he looking for? He's looking for people who are going to work that out in their lives. All I need you to is work. I will, pro- I will provide you the power. I will provide you the intensity. I mean, the wisdom here. Idea. All wisdom. So, you see, that's the reason why, you know what? Availability is important. Not ability. What is important? Availability is important, not ability. Diligence is important, not intelligence. Who provides intelligence? God. Because your intelligence is useless. Okay, let us face it. 
I mean, for every intelligent people in the church, person in the church, there are hundreds of more intelligent people than you on, in, uh, in the world. Do you agree? Uh, you are not the cat's whiskers. I mean, I can boast about my whatever, but I know people who are hundred times better than me, more successful. So intelligence is not a big deal. What is important is diligence, which is, which talks about the attitude. Every man should work with his own hand so that he'll have something to give. That attitude is looking for. That's all he's looking for. He's only looking for diligence. He's looking for availability, not ability. Okay, that's just besides. So it is important what you sow. Okay. Second, it is important where you sow. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. So let's go. Jeremiah chapter 4. Verses 3 onwards. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and do not sow. Ah, he's not saying what you should sow. Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Do not sow among the thorns. What are the thorns we know? The cares of this world? Deceitfulness of riches? Something else you are forgetting. That is the reason why you should read the account of the parable of the sower in all three gospels. Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things. Choke the word. Response. See, cares of the world meaning you are worried. Deceitfulness of riches means you are successful. Cares of this world means you are worried. Deceitfulness of riches means you are successful. Third is desire for other things. Things of the world. Desire. Okay. Okay. Desires are good. But when they, when you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Because now your desires will be desiring God. That's the reason why John Piper has a famous website. What is it called? Desiring God. When you desire God, God is, I like his statement, no? God is most glorified in you when we are most satisfied in him. Kya baat hai? <laughs> like that thesis statement. Achha. Desire. So what do we have? You have the cares of this world, you have deceitfulness of riches, and you have desires for other things. Therefore, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. So how does he signify thorns over here? Look at what it says, verse, verse 4. Circumcise yourselves. See, he says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I will circumcise your heart. He also says you should circumcise your own heart. See, both are important. See, it is a it is a partnership. Christianity is a partnership with God. He will never do it circumventing our free will. That is the reason why if our will is to do his will, then we will know what is true, whether I speak of my own authority or out of my own. I mean, out of the, out the authority which comes from God. But, if I seek my, I do not seek my own glory, but of the glory of, uh, of Him who sent me. It's very important. Okay. It's very interesting, right? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Go to that verse, Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13. Love that. 
Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. It's beautiful. Circumcise, like circumcise for yourselves, your own heart, with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to, ah, see, for example, he says, if your will is to do his will, but then you say, Lord, Somehow my will is not to do his will, your will. It is sometimes to do only my will. You know what he says? Just be available. I will change that also. I will slowly bend your will. How do I do it? By transforming your mind. Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As I said, it's not the removal of the mind, like R.C. Sproul said that, okay? It's not the removal of the mind, but it is a renewal of the mind. Then you will prove that that which is good, acceptable and perfect will of God. In Telugu, it is very interesting. Let us go there later on, okay? It's beautiful. It's acceptable. If for it is God who works in you to both to will and to do for his pleasure. That is the reason why ultimately our whole attitude is to give him pleasure. And what does Hebrew say? Without faith, it is impossible to give him pleasure. And what is faith? It's obedience to little things and the big things. Actually, little things only. Big things, we don't have the strength. You just keep on doing the little things, God will take care of the big things. Or maybe one day, we, he'll give us the ability to do big things. Or we will be doing big things and we don't know that we are doing big things. It will be so seamless. So for example, a no, guy who is solving some problems so so easily, is able to, complex problem is able to break it up into pieces and is able to solve it. How? Because it's become a part of him. He's so, he's so what do you say? Uh, I, I, I see that now when I give a question paper to my students, right? Some some students they sit in the sit in the examination hall and they're dreaming. And and I know that fellow is Hogeuska. Because I said tough question paper, okay? It's uh, tough only. <laughs> Okay, so they'll they'll be really tense sometimes. But I I, I give them sufficient uh, homework and everything. I've taught them every. I taught them very well. I teach them very well. So when I teach well, I also ask well to see if you understood well. Okay, so I test them very well. Some people just just solve the problem. I used to have I had a student who was a uh, computer science Olympiad programmer. You saw, and the way he used to solve the problem, no big problem, one page problem. Some people just, just just give it up. This guy just looked at it seamlessly. He's doing it. You know why? Little 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 things. I used to see, you know, in his life, in his uh, in his workbooks, little little things he used to do, and he used to keep on doing it consistently. And when you deep on doing little little things consistently, the big things become easy, because you already are used to patterns in your life. Troubleshooting becomes easier, right? Right, Sam? We have Sam here. Troubleshoots like that. Because, you know, he's used to doing those little, little, little things. And then the big problem comes, he's able to do it seamlessly. Other people have to crack their head for 24 hours and 48 hours. They'll still not get it. He'll get it in 5 minutes. Why? Simply because he's been over a period of time doing faithfully the same things over and over and over and over over again. That is just free of cost, by the way. Okay, so, there is an inexorable law of sowing and reaping. So what has happened to these people? They have become what? What courage? <laughs> Discouraged. <laughs> okay, discouraged means opposite of courage. Very fearful. Okay, 
here depressed, discouraged, feel as if their strength is gone. Let's come back to Numbers chapter 4 now. And what do they do, Baba? And they became very discouraged on the way. So question, I want to ask all of us here and people who are watching us online and who will watch us. What are you reaping today? What are you reaping? Are you reaping disorder? See, disorder in your finances. No order in your home. Disorder, disorder in your, the way you spend your time. You don't know where the money comes and where, where the money goes. Sirida poe poe. Siri means money. Eklo sanda Siri. Sarasambago nari kela salilamu bhangin. It's as if coconuts are falling on you. That is how it comes. Full money. Siri da poe poe. So you get a lot of money, but gone. Within few days it is gone. It's as if you have made money and you have kept it in a what? Basket made of Holes, Haggai says, what is, what is wrong with you? What is going on? Disorder in your finances. And by the end of the day, you are depressed. You know why? Because you are not rich towards God. When my house was lying in ruins, you are building your own house. Disorder in your finances. Do you feel disorder in your finances? That you feel always in a straight, you are never able to make ends meet. Is there disorder in our lives? See, disciplines are very important. No? Spiritual disciplines are very, very important. Like, like for example, you know, I, 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 I'm sure this, I heard it from Sundar Krishna. You know what he says? He says, he says something very interesting. He says, uh, when we are, when we discipline our children and we say, you know what, you clean up your room and make your, make, let, let things be in order. If you keep things in order, if you clean up your room, I'm going to give you a chocolate. Why do they do it? Because you get the chocolate. The chocolate is kind of the blessing. But over a period of time, they understand that making my room neat and disciplining my life is itself a blessing. Some people never have time. They study till the last minute on the exam. I mean, there is one thing to study because you are revising over and over and over again. That's what I used to do. 72 hours, no sleep. Till I get 100. That is because I am revising over and over again. Some people are learning till the last minute. And it is, and it is, it is a anomaly across the globe. Not just India. In Canada also. One Egyptian, a brilliant Egyptian, okay. He hired me as a tutor two days before the exam. And he will pay through his nose to pass. But of course I want to make money, so what do I do? <laughs> okay, 48 hours without sleep, no problem, let us go. And I'm teaching him, an Egyptian student, 
I'm studying, I'm teaching, I'm chak, 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 one subject, another sec, sec, second subject. And slowly all the other students are watching me. Okay, they are also studying the library. So in a library room, discussion room, very gently and we have to very quietly, I can teach, not a problem. All the other students are watching me. They are also struggling with the, with the course. And slowly they come up to me, sir. In 24 hours, we have an exam. <laughs> Can you teach us also? <laughs> what are you doing, Baba? Till the last minute. And then, of course, okay, I'm going to laugh all the way to the bank at your expense. <laughs> you have to pay me, ultimately. <laughs> you already paid the university a hefty amount of fees. Now you're paying me also. Nonsense. You do it everything. See, disorder is a, is a pattern in your life. Are you reaping it? Why have you come to this point in your life? What are you reaping, my dear brothers and sisters? What are you reaping? Feel shortened. Nothing is sufficient in my life. Is it possible that you are living your own life and not God's life? So what do the people do? They're discouraged and verse 5. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you? This is the age old problem right from Adam. In different formats it comes out. What do you do? You never take responsibility for your mess. Do you understand? The problem is, Adam, what happened? Madam, Adam, Madam. Madam, you gave. This is what we call as 90 degree angle. Orthogonal projections. They live in an orthogonal world. <laughs> Tangential hyperspace. Never take responsibility. I am not, pro- I'm not the problem here. The madam you gave me. This me is hidden. You see that? The other finger is hidden. Can you see it? No. no. Whom, whom can you see? <laughs> Only you can see the madam and you. And what does madam say? The serpent you made. Why did you make that fellow? To look so beautiful. Age old problem. Right from the beginning. That is the, I think more than, uh, Adam eating, it was basically not, not confessing or agreeing to the fact that he messed up. It's amazing, no? That's how it is. We are all like that. I wish I was born in a better family. I wish my father is not like this. I wish my husband is not like this. That is the reason I passed, like, uh, uh, in Deuteronomy, you don't have to do that, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, I brought you out of Egypt, not because you were good. I got you out of Egypt, not because you were best of all people. I brought you out of Egypt, not because you were more stronger than others. Notwithstanding all this, I got you out of Egypt. I led you to the wilderness. 
I caused you to hunger, fed you with manna to show what was in your heart, to humble you, to prove you, to see what was in your heart, to see how how what a murmuring generation you are, that you will never take responsibility for your action. You will never ever say that, that I was the one who messed it up. I am the reason for my mess. Amazing. How we, how we try to, you know, we, I'll tell you why. Because we always want to feel good. It's very, it's very traumatic for us sometimes to accept the fact that we messed up in our lives. But you know something? Healing starts there. Age old problem. People speak against who? God. First God. Why did you create me? I mean, that's a common question. If if uh, there is so much of suffering in the world, why did God? Nobody will say, brother, how much of suffering you caused in this world? Nobody will say that. Who is the problem? God who created this world is the problem. They spoke against Moses and, I mean, against God and against Moses. This is the problem with our generation. There is absolute no reverence for authority. You are the problem. You are the problem. You are the problem. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, our soul loathes this God-given bread. You loathe it? No wonder you are discouraged. No wonder your life feels straightened, shortened. You need to ask ourselves, my dear brothers and sisters, really, honestly, really, do we take responsibility, personal responsibility, let Whatever I am here in this message, because of me, I am the reason. Prime, prime mover is me. And then you know what deliverance starts? Complaining against God and complaining against Moses. It's what we call as a murmuring spirit. And it's very silent. It's called gongus. I told you, you know, so many. Gongus go. Gongus mo. It's all across. It just vibrates through the entire camp. One fellow starts murmuring. Everybody starts murmuring. How contagious it is. Contagious and corona. Called murmur. And it spreads through contact. With a murmuring person. Have you ever seen one murmuring person encouraging somebody? Though he starts murmuring, that fellow, even if he is an encouraging person, he will also starts murmuring. Murmur. Why have brought? Murmuring. Do we have a murmuring spirit? So, so many reasons why we can murmur. I'll tell you how we murmur. Matthew chapter 20. <laughs> Verse uh, 7 onwards, maybe. Matthew chapter 20. Okay, so this is, you know, this the, these people who are being hired by this guy, right? Uh, 
So morning, early morning, a few people are hired. After a few hours, another bunch of guys are hired. After a few hours, another bunch of guys are hired. And last hour also, a few guys are hired. And everybody ag- agrees for how much? One dinari. Everybody has agreed. Now look at what he says. They said to him, because no one has hired in verse, verse says, he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. He didn't say, I will give you one dinari. Whatever is right, I will receive. You will receive. So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to the steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last and to the first. And look at the next verse. And when they came, who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. Verse 10, and when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they murmured against the landowner saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us and who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. And he said, answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Do you not agree with me for one denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. And the next verse telling, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things or is your eye evil because I am good to somebody? Are you evil? Are you murmuring because I'm good to somebody? Are you murmuring because I've blessed someone else's ministry? Are you murmuring because I've blessed somebody else's marriage? Are you murmuring because I've blessed somebody else's child? Are you murmuring because I've blessed somebody else's spouse? Are you murmuring because I've blessed another brother and you think that I've circumvented you? Are you murmuring? Are you not counting your own blessings? And you know why we murmur? Because we always compare. Comparison is the horrible sin. Compare. Murmuring, murmuring, murmuring. Are you murmuring? Complain, 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 complain. Who is the problem? Moses is the problem. God is the problem. Luke's Gospel chapter 5 verse 30. Look at this, how it works out. And the scribes and the Pharisees complained against the disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Whenever you're, whenever Jesus does something for those tax collectors and sinners or, or the people whom they despised, that's what happens, right? You give reservation, all the forward caste people start murmuring. Will you take responsibility? I mean, I'm not, I'm not for or against reservation. I don't care if you, about reservation. I'm not talking about that. I'm just looking at the attitudes of people. In fact, I don't want reservation. I mean, I don't care, first of all. Because once I'm in, I'm in Christ, I don't have a caste. Christ and caste don't go together. So if we have these marriage bureaus, Chaudhary Christian, what Chaudhary Christian, Baba? Reddy Christian, Chaudhary Christian, Brahmin Christian, Christian. You see this, especially in Andhra. Tall, dark, handsome, Chaudhary Christian. Looking for a fair Chaudhary Christian girl. Nada macha. Oh, how did you get seated into engineering? Reservation, ah. Reservation. Are you not going to do it? 
you are complaining in, because somebody else got a seat. You are not complaining because you didn't. You, why are you not complaining? Why are you not saying I should have worked more hard? I should have got first rank. Ah, no, 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 no. You will not do that. You murmur. You murmur. And complain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was such a, he's, he's, my father makes a lot of money and he also has a reservation. What's wrong with you? Just forget it, man. Just look at your own life. I've seen that. <laughs> in a lot of believers, unfortunately. For reservation, I was also like that. Later on, God had to rebuke me. Through this particularly, are you murmuring because I have given somebody else's? Shut your mouth. Do you see how blessed you are? Comparing. And you start, start mm, And ultimately, we become Nenu Saitam Sri Sri. You become communist. And we go against the establishment. Who is the establishment? Moses and God. <laughs> that is called Viplava Bhava. John's Gospel chapter 6 again verse 41 and 61. 41 and 61. You know this right? Very well. <laughs> and Jews started complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from him. See the point is they are not able to accept the word. Who started complaining? The Jews started complaining. You should eat this bread. Oh no, 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 no. No, 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 no. How can we eat the words which come out of a carpenter's mouth? You should have at least graduated from our seminary. Then we would have thought about it. Verse 62. Sorry, 61. When, and Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured about eating his bread, eating his uh, flesh and drinking his blood. And he says, does this offend you? Are you offended because of something? That heart that God has spoken into your life, are you offended? Whenever you are offended, you start murmuring. Whom do you murmur against? God. Classic example, Madam Ruth. Chapter 1, verse 20 to 21. But she said to me, to them, don't call me Naomi. Means what? Pleasant. Hi, pleasant. No, 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 no. Not pleasant. Call me Bitter. Why? Because Ah no 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 she didn't say God. Ah the Almighty. If he would he is the Almighty, right? He could have worked out everything in my life because he chose. But she will never talk about her own disobedience. Why did you ever believe the promised land? Was it not the promised land? Why did you leave the promised land? Because you had you had bread somewhere. And you came back because you heard that was bread here. That means you are always moved by bread. You didn't come because you love me. You love bread. And you are complaining about me. Are where am I in the picture? Did you ever ask me? Like Pastor was saying, there was a famine. It's a, famine is not the problem. Famine of the what? Of what is the problem? Of the hearing the word of the Lord is the problem. Hmm. I went full, but the Lord has brought me empty. Oh, wow. Why should you call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. 
you know what it mean, what the word is the lord worked against me that's what it means was unrighteous with me problem is do we mama do we have a murmuring spirit that is one of the reasons why one of the things i i, I always practice to do is to just look at my own life mera life kya ho raha mera life kya ho raha i don't even want to hear about anybody else seriously because i don't want to know the bad the good the evil or the ugly of anybody because there is sufficient garbage in my own, in my own life and notwithstanding the garbage god has still been blessed been very kind and 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 faithful and merciful to me i am not comparing with anybody not want to compare myself with anybody comparison leads to competition dangerous competition in the church how can two brothers compete oh my goodness jealousy and competition competition in the church you just be the best that you that you can be i'm not saying that we should not be exhorted encouraged by or and be challenged by people's life i'm not saying that that is not what i'm talking about god is sovereign and he has given me better than what i deserve right what i deserve see when you are convinced as to what you deserve you'll always be happy about what you have and you'll never complain what complaints do we have as a church baba do we have a, any complaint any complaint as a church are we not the most blessed people on planet earth as of now no complaints only like pastor was praying in the morning we have been fattened we have been eating and feasting and also eat feeding and feasting on the word and the food and full of electricity live telecast kya baat hai in the comfort of your home you can just listen to the word of god has not be, god been good to us Do we have any reasons to murmur and complain? I don't think so. so. Bottom point is, bottom line is that we don't want to take responsibility because that is traumatic. Because then we have to say, "I'm not good," and if I'm not good, you have to confess there is nothing good in me. But we will not be like Apostle Paul, who is the most brilliant fellow on planet Earth. If Apostle Paul was living during Albert Einstein's time, I'm sure he would have given him a run for his money. Every computer scientist, he would have. become a fool when compared to apostle paul look at this letters he would have had the holy of holies experience only if you are next to apostle paul woe to me i am undone if you look at his life <laughs> and you know what he says i know that there is nothing good in my flesh oh wretched man that i am who can deliver me from this body of death my dear brothers and sisters let us always examine our hearts and say lord i am responsible for my mess lord not my children not my wife not my parents not my pastor not my boss not my co-workers you know one pastor betrayed me re that is the reason why i am in this mess what are you talking about that pastor baba which pastor who is that pastor you know i i i, I always look at the worst case scenario who was uh, david's pastor anybody can tell me who was he under 
I mean, that is the spiritual element. Mean, just that was Nathan, Samuel didn't Samuel didn't Samuel did not mentor him. By the way, who was who was Nathan's pastor? Saul. I'm uh, sorry, David's pastor. Saul. What did he ask him to do? You want to marry my daughter? Get hundred Philistine sportskins. Hundred. He wanted to please him. He went and brought two hundred. Did any of your pastor ask you to do that? This fellow goes and does it. Complain. You know why? You don't want to take responsibility for your own actions. You know why? It's too traumatic for you to look at your own life. But God says when I come, that's what John's Gospel chapter 3, you don't have to run there, it says, I did not come, the Son of Man did not come to the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. You're, you're, you're thinking that you, your situation and accepting your situation is traumatic. Look at the trauma that I went for you on the cross. We'll come to that later on. So what does the Lord do? Chapter six, uh, chapter Numbers chapter 21, verse 6. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. No, fiery serpents is only an external thing of what is already internal. What is internal? Murmuring. You know, the word sent, of course, <laughs> again... <laughs> comes from the Hebrew word shalak, which means to be let loose, to, to let loose. What is that? To let loose something, what should it, what should, what should be its previous position, previous situation? It should have been tied. I let, I let loose my dog. What does it mean? The dog was tied. Or the dog was restrained. The dog always wanted to pounce on you, <laughs> but I restrained. No, every time you go to the, please tie the dog up. Please, no? Restrain that fellow. Restraining order. Muzzle that fellow or put something. But in other words, if you release him, finish. You know what God is there? Already enemy is looking at you. I am restraining him. What am I doing? Restraining him. I am just going to remove my restraining influences. What will happen? Ustega. Jeevitan lakni you. Restrained. Just he took off his restraining influence and what happened? Fiery serpents came. Fiery means temperature increased. Bite, fever increased. It's like corona. Fever started increasing. Many people died. Many people died. Because God took away his restraining influence from his Lord, from his life. That's exactly what happened to Saul. God took away his hand. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord started tormenting him. Restraining influence is gone. And the law of man of lawlessness will be revealed. Very soon. It's all, they're all tied now. And he actually has tied a lot of uh, those demons under the Euphrates river. And one day he's going to let them loose also. In Revelation, that it says in the book of Revelation, right? That those fellows also will come out now. Frogs and everything. All unclean spirits will come. And the whole world will be full of sin because God removes his, his restraining influence over their, over their lives. 
Once you, see what happens when you are let loose to do your own thing, there's already iniquity inside of you. I was birthed in sin and shaped in iniquity. Sufficient poison is there already to kill you. The fiery serpents is only an external thing to prove what is already internal. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 onwards. As it is written, 10 to 18 Psalm, okay? As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. This is one full study, okay? We did it in our Romans Bible study, okay? There is no one who understands, there is no one who seeks after God. They have all turned aside, they have altogether become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And how does he come to that conclusion? Their throat is an open tomb. It's a grave. Basically, it stinks. Because there's decay. The moment he opens the mouth, there's decay which is coming out. Bad breath. God says, don't open your mouth. It's bad breath. Kampo. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they practice deceit. The poison of asps is upon their lips. Kya baat hai? Full of poison already. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness and therefore what has happened? Next verse. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are on their ways. They have the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Listen. That is what Pastor was talking about yesterday. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56. <clears throat> For sin is the sting. For this, for sin, uh, for the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Sting of death is sin. That's why are you dying? Because of fiery serpents of God. But that's essentially what is what is already there inside of you. Restraining influences have taken away. And what has happened? They're all dying. Thank God, they saw people die and they learned a lesson. Many people don't don't learn their lessons. Luke's Gospel chapter 13, verses 1 onwards. It says, they were present at that season, some who told them, told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said, do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? Oh, so many people have died of coronavirus. Do you think you Christians are worse sinners than others? I tell you, but unless you, ah, what is the key? Repent. You will always likewise. I mean, it's a parable. It's happening right in front of your eyes. Or those eighteen on whom the tower of tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all the all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then he says, 
you don't have to turn there. It says, the disciple come, Lord, are there few who will be saved? He says, strive to enter through the narrow gate because many will try to seek through it. But you know what the word strive means? Comes from the word agonize. Agonize. Strive for mastery. Who strives for mastery? According to the Bible, an athlete. And a boxer. Because he says, I, I don't box as one beating the air. That means every punch has to land. With a knockout blow. Muhammad Ali, no? Fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. <laughs> it's landing. When he, <laughs> when he lands, it lands. And finishes, the devil is gone. He's like, bye bye baby. He's gone. <laughs> Strive. In other words, he says, unless and until you come to a point when you say, you know what, I, Lord, there's nothing good in me. Unless I repent, So what happens to these guys? Verse 7, Numbers chapter 21. Therefore the people came to (laughs) Moses. You should go to the, first you should see the person whom you can see. And then you should go to the person whom you cannot see. Oh, I, I will confess my sins to God. No, 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 no. First you go to Moses. Which is easier to do? Confessing the sins to God or to man. Easier to God. That is the reason why he said to told David, you know, you know you, okay, your confession is fine, but do one thing, write a psalm and let the whole world know. And in the introduction of the Psalter, for your song, it will be written. The song of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him and confessed and confronted him about the incident of, of Bathsheba. And the whole world will know. Confess. Ante, what is justification by faith alone, apart from the works of the law? You are saying, Lord, I died to my reputation with men. If I go to him and ask him for forgiveness, he will look down upon me. I don't, I, I don't want to make myself cheap. Sense. I can ask for weakness from God. Okay, Lord, I, 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 I did these mistakes. God says, Baba, you have to go to the person first whom you have offended. You come to the altar and you try to bring your gift to, and then you remember what? Your brother has something against you. Huh? Brother has something against you. Leave your gift first. Go and get reconciled to your... See, that is the reason why relationships are not easy. Maintaining relationships, healthy relationships, is not easy. And then you will know that you cannot have many relationships. (laughs) 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 Because if you have many relationships, you would have offended a lot of people. And you have to go and ask for forgiveness from this person, from that person, from that person. I have few. Offend those those few and then make your life simple. (laughs) Just joking. I mean, <laughs> you have to see because you have to. Keep, see, I, I always get scared to have many friends because what if I mess up this with this fellow? Then I have to go and say, 
Brother, forgive me, no, I did this because it's, I'm a man, I'm a human. It's definitely possible in some way or the other. In so many years, I've known Raj, I would have offended him. Poor fellow, I messed up his marriage already. <laughs> his wedding ceremony with a translation. I should have said, Abba, you find another fellow. But I went in my zeal and I messed it up. For the rest of my life, I have to remember that now. I have to keep on asking forgiveness. So the point is this, relationships are not easy. Huh? First you go to Moses. Don't come to me. God, God, God. Don't come to me. Go to Moses. <laughs> See, it's difficult, right? That is, that you have to, that is what desperation means. These, are, these things are killing me. You, what do you want? You want to die of the serpent or you want to go to Moses? What do you want? Come on, come on, come on, tell me. Okay, Lord, we'll go to Moses. But at least that was a physical problem. They could run to Moses. But what about us? Sin is so deceitful. We think everything is okay. When everything is not okay. <laughs> Go to Moses first. <laughs> and what should you say? We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and we spoke against you also. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. I don't know what serpent is biting you, my dear brothers and sisters, of those who are watching. What is a serpent that is biting you and killing and taking the life and you are not even aware of it? Unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart. Offense. One thing you will not do, you will not humble yourself and go to Moses. Whoever that Moses may be in your life, your Moses could be your wife. Sometimes it could be your son. It could be your daughter. It could be your children, small children. I don't know how many times I told sorry to my children, Baba. What will they think about me? That is weak. Oh, I will not put put something in, in their life which is not true about daddy. Daddy is as bad as a sinner as you are. He also needs the mercy of God and the grace of God to live. Tell me what, what is it? What is it? What is it that's stopping you? And what is that fiery serpent which is killing you and you're not even aware of it? Remember, in Matthew chapter 18, don't have to turn there. This fellow doesn't forgive the servant. And what does God say? Release him to the what? To the tormentors. What is tormenting you and what is killing you? It is, if it's tormenting only in heaven, only, only on earth, it is, it's, there's still time. There is hope for you. Don't take the torment into, into eternity. Matthew chapter 3, verse 4, sorry, verse uh, 5. 
all of onwards, okay, then Jerusalem, all Judea and all the region around him, the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by by him in the Jordan. What? Confessing your sins. Like Pastor was saying about the books. So many books written about you. So much of database. Now books believe. Now we we know in this book, I am reading a lot of books in only digital format only. God has got terabytes of data there. Servers full. He doesn't have to have these books like this. Books will we'll have this in our mind. Okay, books could be. Oh, one click in the button. You yourself with a computer, with your computers and brain, you are able to ha- handle big data. Huh? What do you say, Sami? YouTube is able to have big, big, big data. God has got no problem. He has got terabytes, terabytes, what? I don't know what bytes. Tera, hexa, peta, tera, giga, mega. Peta, zeta. All that database is there. Do you want to delete that database? Speaking your language, one algorithm is there to do delete, to hack into a server. You can't hack in. There's only one way to hack into a server. You know who, who can hack in? Jesus can hack in. If you confess only those sins you have confessed will be blotted out. Specifics. No Lord. Yes Lord, I sinned against you. What are the sins, Baba? What are the sins? Confessing their sins. Yes Lord, I sinned against you. What is the sin? Tell me specifically. That is repentance. Repentance involves two things. Confession. Fruit of repentance has two things. Confession and restitution. Confession means you confess to God. Restitution means if you have to go and ask for forgiveness from somebody, you have to ask forgiveness from somebody. If you have to forgive somebody, you have to forgive that person. If you have to return something to somebody, you have to return something to somebody. That is, That's what he says. Half my goods I give to the poor and if I have taken anything wrong from somebody, I return it fourfold. We have sinned against Lord, against Moses. So, Moses prayed, thank God. Let's go back to numbers. This is repentance, okay? Repentance involves confession, a lot of things. We'll know, we'll look, maybe you can just look at it, but it's okay. So many, so many things to do. Another 10 minutes, I want to finish. It's already 12, close to. <coughs> Then the Lord said to Moses, He tells how to how these people can be saved. Nicodemus ka point mein hum log abhi. Make a fiery serpent. You're experiencing a curse because of sin. I am a just God. I have to punish sin. Okay, what what, what am I supposed to do? I have to punish. I am both just and merciful. Genesis chapter, sorry, uh, Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. I wrote it down. But I think I just lost it. Just a minute please. Exodus chapter 34. <coughs> and verse 6 onwards. The Lord 
passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in steadfastness and goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. God is a merciful God. God is a just God. He does not just forgive sin. That means whatever serpent that you, it is biting you, that serpent has to be judged. That serpent, that poison has to be taken by somebody. That poison has to be taken by somebody. So that God can extend mercy to us. Like we heard, no? There is no free lunch. Drinks on the house. Kamatlab kya hai? Owner is paying. You are enjoying. Somebody has paid. Your fee has been waived. Ante, they got funding. Somebody gave taxes. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord God. Okay, let's go back now. To Numbers chapter 24. Make a fiery serpent. Set it on a pole. And that's exactly what Jesus tells Nicodemus. Just as Moses raised up the bronze serpent on the altar on the on the on the pole so that everyone who looks at him might be saved and might be given life and live that was a parable about me nicodemus your sin which is there inside of you your sin which is killing you the serpents which you don't see i have to take it upon myself so that you might live That's the gospel. That's the cross. That's the message of the cross. Which is foolishness to those who are perishing. To the Jews it's a stumbling block. But to the Greeks it is foolishness. But unto us who are being saved, Christ the wisdom of God, the power of God. Colossians 2.15 Having disarmed principalities. Onwards, okay? Actually 14 onwards. Having 13 onwards, sorry, 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 just give me a minute. 13 onwards. Okay. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. How? Having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that is against you, wiping out all the record that is in your book, wiping out Everything, every sin that was against you, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way. How? By nailing it to the cross. And then next verse, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made them a public spectacle, triumphing over them. So let no one judge you. He nailed it to the cross. What happened to him? Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. We know it very well by this time. He made him who knew no sin to be 
sins for us. That we, boy, he did not sin. He did not know sin. He was tempted in all areas. He never sinned, yet he became sin. Boy, you know, we will never be able to comprehend that. All eternity will be speaking about the riches of his grace. <laughs> oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of the Lord and King. This mystery all, the immortal died, right? And can it be, right? This mystery all, the immortal died, who can explain his strange design? In vain, the firstborn seraph price and tries to explain the love divine. This mercy all, let earth adore, let angel minds inquire no more. Amazing love, how can it be that thou my God should die for me? He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his love, grace emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. This mercy all immense and free for oh my God, it found out me. Amazing love. How can it be that thou my God should die for me? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused the quickening ray. I woke the dungeon filled with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. Amazing love. How can it be that thou my God should die for me? No condemnation. Now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head. And clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne. And claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love. How can it be that thou my God should die for me? This is truth my dear brothers and sisters. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. In vain the firstborn seraph tries. The, the angels desire to look into it. That's what he says, the songwriter John Wesley, he says, in vain the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depths of love divine. This mercy all let earth adore. Let angel minds inquire no more. Please, don't even try. Learn it from the church. Learn it from these redeemed people. Learn it from these blood-bought saints who have overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. John's Gospel chapter 12 verse 32 and 33. Why am I saying all this? And if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. How can an immortal God, a sinless God die? It is not how can he die, it is why did he die? He died because of my sin. And he's righteous. He became the serpent. The fiery serpent. He took the poison upon himself and he drank it. You know, we have this, no? Chesinanu prema kshira sagara madhanam. Kshira sagara ni madhan chintaro You know, when they did that madhanam of this kshira sagaram, that milk, what came? Poison came. And because poison came, they wanted amrutam. Poison came. So what did Shiva do? He drank the poison and he put it in his 
throat. It's that is the reason why it's called Nilakantha. You know who's the original Nilakantha? My Jesus. He just didn't drink his poison and kept it on his keep it keep it on his throat. He died. He died. And it's a mystery. For my sin. For my sin. So that I can have Amrutam, eternal life. Can we explain this God, my dear brothers and sisters? What a God He is, no? What an amazing God. And what do we have a problem? He says, I'll take away your poison, but can you just please accept that you are a sinner? Can you just please confess? How long will you keep on saying, I'm not responsible, I'm not responsible, I'm ready, I'm ready to take the poison upon myself. I'm ready. Let's go back to Numbers chapter. <coughs> Seven. Uh, yeah, verse eight. Then the, Mo- then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. The second death is most important. You can, bitten be, the, you can be bitten by the coronavirus, but that's not as dangerous as the virus of sin. That's just a parable. That's what Pastor was talking about yesterday. Be scared and fear the one who, after killing your body, has got the power to put you in hell. That is the second death. And the gospel is to take you away, I mean, to save you from that second death. First death is okay. Everybody will die. Whether by corona or not by corona. Verse 9. So Moses made a bronze serpent. What does bronze stand for? Judgment. Sin was judged on the cross. And put it on a pole. And what do they have to do? Nothing. Just look. Not by works. Not by works. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, Lord, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. But I give grace to the humble. Humble yourself, confess your sins, repent of it. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Peter, what a challenge for us <laughs> who lead worship in Telugu and you in English and other languages. To find those songs which can inspire music. Let's talk about the cross. The cross, the cross. At the cross, at the cross. Where I first saw the light. All the burdens of my heart were rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. So this morning, this afternoon, He became a sin for you. So that you can become the righteousness of God. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of the Abraham might come to us Gentiles 
in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. His curse for our, for our blessing. He was cursed for our blessing. 8, 9, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. That you through his poverty, kya baat hai, might become rich. In what? In forgiveness. Generous in forgiveness. Generous in money. You see, mercy, that's all mercy, right? You're showing mercy, you know why? Because you've extended. Rich, rich is not how much you have. Rich is how much you give away. We heard it so many times. Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 to 3 and we will stop. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the, of course Jesus didn't talk about it, we know that, right? Why? Because he took that day of vengeance upon himself. So that we should be, we, should, we could escape the ultimate day which is coming, the, 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 the day of the Lord. And then it says to comfort all who mourn. Are you mourning for your sin this morning? To console those who mourn in Zion. Are you in Zion in the church of God and you say, Lord, I messed up so much? Confess. You know what he's going to give you? He's going to exchange sin and give you righteousness. He's going to exchange curse and he's going to give you blessing. He's going to exchange poverty. He's going to give you richness. He's going to exchange ashes and give you beauty. He's going to exchange mourning and give you oil of joy. He's going to exchange the spirit of heaviness and give you a garment of praise. That you may be called what? The trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. You know why? Because his righteousness is upheld on the cross. And his mercy is upheld. And mercy has triumphed over judgment. And you know what? Who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Nothing. We only become the recipients of his blessing and his goodness. Shall we accept his goodness this morning? Shall we all stand? Let's pray. Oh Lord, you are a good God and your mercy endures forever. No wonder your word says that your mercy endures forever. Unless and until you, we had, we had enduring mercy, we could never cancel out enduring judgment. Father, we want to live under that shadow of your mercy. And continuous, continuously experience your mercy. And grant us the grace to extend mercy. And this morning I pray, Father, for all of us who messed up. Everybody, start, starting with me, we all messed up. We want to take responsibility for our actions. And grant us the grace and the humility 
to make right things with man and things with God. So that we can have a clear conscience with God and we have a clear conscience with man. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Bless all of us and let your word continue to burn in our hearts and grant us your spirit so that we can have the understanding of your word as well. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So we'll be back by 7.30 today. Pastor James will be bringing the word. So stay tuned.